Welcome to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast as we continue hyping LSU, Alabama, Game of the Century. Back from a little hiatus from the podcast and uh, joining me today, I've got Tony, the editor of BamaHammer.com, the Alabama site here on the fan-sided network. Great new site if you haven't checked it out. Comes highly recommended. And Tony, thank you very much for taking this time to speak with us this afternoon. Hey, glad to be on. Now, of course, we're talking the biggest college football game of the year. It's been one that I've been hyping up on my site since probably mid-September. Obviously, now the rest of the nation's hyping this up. Alabama, LSU, and what's the general feeling that you've got coming out of Bama Nation right now? How does this compare to other huge games that Alabama's played in recent years? This really is a lot bigger than any game that I can recall since maybe the 92 National Championship game. For several reasons. Alabama kind of wandered through the desert in the early 2000s with Mike Shula and all of that. Uh, Nick Saban has brought them back. But the, the hype has been as much from the media as from the fans. And, the, you know, the fans are really buying into it. And so everybody's really excited to, to uh, bring LSU in. They're excited about the ramifications for the national championship. And this is just really one of the biggest games I can remember as an Alabama fan. Now, in the recent seasons, you've had the big matchups with Florida and the SEC championship game, and obviously those have had national title implications. This one, regular season game, winner presumably plays in the SEC title game, but you also have that added caveat of Nick Saban, as you mentioned, guy that resurrected the program to its past greatness, squaring off against his former program. How do you feel like that Saban-LSU relationship ties into the buildup of this game? Oh, it's, it's a, an integral part of it. Uh, the LSU fan base really um, worshipped Saban for a while, and then when he left for uh, Miami, it was fine. But then when he came back, not only to the SEC, but to the SEC West, there's a real hatred for Nick Saban, even though I think deep down a lot of the LSU fans really do respect the guy and really kind of hold him in a place of honor because of uh, his rebuilding of the LSU program so there's a lot of kind of underlying hatred there and the uh, uh, that's one of the angles I think the media is playing up and and some of the, the wilder fans are going to play into that as well but you know let's face it Nick Saban is, is responsible for the resurrection of both of these programs now Les Miles obviously has kept that going to the point that you really can't say that it uh, Nick Saban is is uh responsible for their current success, but uh, it's certainly an integral part of it. Now, jumping into the on-field action, in this game, we've got one of the best secondaries in all of college football at LSU. Obviously, Tyrone Matthew getting some Heisman buzz, but they go so much deeper than that. Uh, You saw Ron Brooks step up in the Auburn game in Tyrone Matthew's absence. A.J. McCarron been a guy who's been more of a game manager, almost like Scott Tolzien at, at Wisconsin last year, as opposed to a guy that's really going to come out and beat a defense. How does McCarron combat that LSU secondary, and how much of a factor will the passing game be, especially with you when you factor in that secondary as well as that stacked defensive line that LSU has? Well, I think it's going to have to be a factor. Uh, the thing about A.J. McCarron, he really... If you asked him, I think, and you promise not to tell his head coach, he would consider himself kind of a gunslinger. 
Uh, Nick Saban realizes that A.J. has a tendency to do that, to try to make that 80-yard pass into triple coverage. And so he's really been telling him to settle down, as you may have seen on the sideline clip. So he, he's trying to turn him into a game manager, but he's really going to have to make some passes against his secondary. Uh, they are going to try and rattle him quickly. They're going to be blitzing him from the time he gets off the, the uh, out of the, the uh, hotel. <laughs> he's going to have to try to establish a passing threat because we're not going to be able to rely on just handing the ball to Trent all night. Uh, I would say watch the tight ends. They're going to try to sell out to the run and try to rattle him, so he's going to have to check off a lot. Uh, now, that said, I think he is also going to have to be an outside passing threat, so he's going to try to have to earn some respect from that secondary by going downfield when it looks like he's able to. And now you mentioned that not being able to just ride Trent Richardson. Obviously, he's been able to do so much. Uh, I feel like is probably the, the leading candidate for the Heisman at this juncture. Now, in that defensive line, you've got guys like Sam Montgomery who are just blazing quick despite being 6'5", 255 pounds. How does Trent Richardson stack up with the guys on the Tiger defensive line? I'll tell you what, and I said this last year, and, and obviously you can't check up on this, so you're going to have to take my word for it, but <laughs> I, I have long thought that Trent Richardson was a better back than, uh, than Mark Ingram. He is, he's just an unbelievable physical specimen. And like I said before, we're not going to be able to just ride him all the way to the, uh, to the win, but he's an unbelievable guy, and he will get yards. He will get his yards. But again, they're, they're not going to be able to just uh, rely on him. I think that this game really is going to either win the Heisman or lose it for him. Uh, I think that by the time this game is over, he's going to be the clear front runner for the Heisman, or more or less, he'll be out of the race. Now, what sort of numbers do you anticipate that he needs to put up? Uh, obviously, a win is going to, to be paramount for him to, to remain in that Heisman hunt, but what kind of numbers do you think are really going to be eye-popping enough to get him that buzz? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know that numbers are really going to tell the story, although I'm worried about how much relief Eddie Lacy to provide for him. Uh, he, you know, he's continuing to suffer from the turf toe. So we're going to probably have to see Trent kind of carry this team on his back a little bit. So not so much in terms of the uh, the absolute yardage numbers, but just the performance. Uh, you know, is he able to get those short yards? Is he able to break tackles and, and uh, get around that defensive line? So I think just more in terms of his general performance and how he holds up will be the key. Now, Alabama's run defense is actually tops in the nation right now by a huge margin. I believe that they're holding running games to uh, 30 yards fewer than the next closest team. What has made that run defense so good, and is LSU going to be able to test that, or do you feel like LSU is going to have to rely more on the passing game? Well, I'm not really going to sound like much of a homer by saying this, but we really haven't played anybody. Hmm. Uh, we're... We're shutting down teams that we should be shutting down. Now, we're going to see if this is a good defense or not. People are talking about it in historic terms, but uh, you know we haven't faced anybody like LSU yet, and this will really tail the tail. But uh, these guys, uh, these guys shut down the run. You're not going to run on these guys, so it will be very interesting to see what we do up against LSU. Uh, I don't expect to see uh, 
uh, LSU's quarterbacks uh, making a lot of plays with their feet. I think we're going to be able to uh, cover the corner and uh, make them beat us through the air. Now, in beating the defense through the air, obviously LSU has been using two quarterbacks a, a little bit more since Jordan Jefferson's come back from, from suspension. Uh, Zach Mettenberger played a little bit, but presumably won't take any snaps in this game. But with Jarrett Lee coming along, really showing himself, uh, showing how much he's matured since his pick six days, and, and Jefferson adding that little running caveat, how does Alabama's defense go about preparing for an offense that employs two quarterbacks that are so different in, in the styles that they play? I think one of the things that uh, Nick Saban coached teams tend to have trouble with, and that is a guy like Les Miles, who's liable to just try anything just because he thinks it'd be the right time for it. Uh, Coach Saban really coaches toward tendencies, and uh, his defense is going to be geared up for whichever guy they see break the huddle. Uh, I don't believe that Jefferson's going to be able to run on them very much, but uh, you know, if he, if he can make plays with his feet, then we're going to have a, we're going to have a long night. And as a quarterback like Jefferson, uh, this being sort of the first uh, really running base quarterback that that uh, that's gone out there this season, is that a little bit more difficult to game plan for? Do you feel like? I, I do because uh, if he's able to. Uh, if he's able to make enough yardage through the air, then then he's a dual threat. I mean, I don't think anybody uh, thinks that uh, Lee is going to be making a lot of plays with his feet. But you saw how much trouble Alabama had with Cam Newton last year. Now, I mean, granted, you know, these guys are not Cam Newton. The guy that guy was out of his mind. But, uh, we had a lot of trouble with that, and uh, I think that uh, this is a, has been an emphasis for Coach Saban all year. Is we're going to stop the run and we're going to stop the quarterback. So uh, it's difficult to game plan for, but uh, I think that these guys have been working on this all year, and just because we have a cushy schedule. I mean, say what you will, the SEC's kind of in a down year with the exception of these two teams, and I have a feeling that both teams have been game planning a little bit all year long. Now I want to get back to that uh, SEC, kind of being a little bit down in a moment, but first with LSU going to the air, obviously this isn't a spread attack team, this isn't Oklahoma State or anything like that, but you've seen Reuben Randall really sort of establish himself as a premier number one target. Do you anticipate the secondary maybe doubling up Randall and forcing Lee and Jefferson to spread it out a little bit more to some of their other less tested targets? Nick Saban, I think, tends to try to leave guys out in space. Now, we've gotten beaten a couple of times like that, but... Nick really likes to play man, and uh, I think he is going to stick to that. I don't think he's going to play a lot of double coverage. I could be wrong, but his tendency is to, to leave guys out in space and, and have them make plays. And now, uh, getting back into that SEC down year, uh, this is obviously the big test. Alabama having already blown out Arkansas, who is clearly the third best team in the SEC West. You win this game and then roll out the rest of the season. You know, Auburn, obviously, on the road, but Auburn's a very young team. Presumably, that's a big tide win. And then you get Georgia or South Carolina in the SEC championship game, so you're looking at a pretty straight shot into the BCS title game. Where would that rank this Alabama team, in your opinion, in the pantheon of this program's illustrious history? That's a, that is an illustrious history, and it's it's hard to say. I mean... These are completely different eras we're talking about, but uh, as kind of an old-timer watching this, I, 
I don't know. I mean, these guys are as complete a defense as I've seen in years and years. Uh, uh, maybe not as dominant up front as the 92 team, but this conceivably is one of the better defenses in Alabama history. Now, the 92 game, I, I enjoy you mentioning that one because I very vividly remember uh, Gene Stallings and that Bama team coming out and putting a knot on Miami's head. That Miami team was pretty hated nationally, and neither one of these teams seemed to have that same friction. Do you feel like Alabama fans had more animosity towards this LSU team for being a conference rival or that Miami team for basically just being the U? I think it was... I think it really was a situation where Miami had talked up such a good game. Nobody, uh, nobody expected Alabama to come in there, load the box, and, and put 11 men on the line of scrimmage and say, we dare you to throw on us. Uh, but I don't think there's quite the animosity. I think that's more of a fan-driven thing in, in both cases. Uh, Coach Stallings was certainly a guy who just preached execution and doing your job, and Nick Saban is too. Uh, I don't think there's really any hatred among the team. This is really a fan-generated thing. But I, to answer that question in a different way, I think for the fans, I mean, we hated Miami, but <laughs> LSU is just a few hundred miles away. And so there's more of a, a rivalry hatred uh, between Alabama and LSU because we rarely play Miami. And so there's, there's almost a, the fighting brothers syndrome right there. So I, I think that there's a real hatred there because we're conference rivals. And now, obviously, we all know about Trent Richardson, and we know about some of the big stars on the defensive side, guys like Dante Hightower and then Courtney Upshaw. But aside from the core group of guys, who is the player you're anticipating having the biggest impact on this game? Wow, that's a good question, and, and I guess I'll answer it this way, uh, not by telling you who I think is going to have the breakout game. I think let's watch Cade Foster, because uh, we've got to get some help on special teams. I think that field position is going to be a huge factor in this game because we're going to have to look for uh, what you might call hidden yards. I think that uh, we're going to have to find yards where we can get them, whether that's in the kicking game, whether that's in the, uh, the out passes. I've watched special teams because they've got great special teams and we don't have much of a kicking game we can rely on. So that's where I think the key is going to be. Now, the final question I have for you is, we've discussed this quite a bit on Twitter, uh, Trent Richardson, the many, the many names that you can give to him. What is the nickname that Trent Richardson is going to, to be able to roll with this weekend? And if he gets the win, what's the nickname he's going to leave with? Oh, wow. Put me on the spot with that one. <laughs> uh, I guess you would call him the walking Heisman because the guy is just built like the trophy. And uh, I think if he walks away from this one, you can just call him Sir. <laughs> I like that walking Heisman and when I watch him play with that physique he has he looks like he might actually be made of bronze because I can't fathom how else he's able to knock down 300 pound defensive linemen the way he does but it's just insane I've really never seen anything like the guy before and, and Alabama fans if, if you're a young Alabama fan enjoy this season because this guy is a good one and do you anticipate this being his last season? I know he's still got one more year of eligibility. Is is the push on among Tide fans to get him to come back for one more season? Oh, the, the Tide fans are trying to see if they can get Julio Jones another year of eligibility. <laughs> but the fact is, I mean, Trent, go make your money, man. You have done a good job. And particularly if he wins a Heisman Trophy and they uh, 
win another national championship this year, man, go get paid. You need to. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly and excited to watch him on Sundays, but not as excited as I am to watch him this Saturday uh, for the little bit I'm going to be able to see. So, uh, Tony, thank you again for appearing on the podcast today. Uh, hopefully you enjoy Saturday. Isn't too uh, too stressful on you. Uh, it will be stressful, but uh, <laughs> hopefully the tide's going to roll. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And be sure to check out Tony at BamaHammer.com. And uh, Tony, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about the site and uh, where else they can check you out on the Internet? Absolutely. Well, you, you can check me out on Twitter. I'm at, at Bama underscore Hammer. And uh, we are at BamaHammer.com. You can go and read all the great hate that we've got. We've got our haters guide to the LSU game up. So you can check out all the great reasons to hate the LSU Tigers. And uh, we provide some news, some analysis, and, and a lot of humor, too. So go check us out at BamaHammer.com. Absolutely. Comes highly recommended. And thank you very much for checking out the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. This is Kyle Kensing with part one, our Alabama side of the podcast. Be sure to check out part two as we preview things from the LSU side. This is Kyle Kensing with Tony from BamaHammer.com once again, signing off. <laughs>